You're listening to the really useful podcast. It's the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. My name's Christian Corley and I'm joined this week by Megan Ellis. Megan, how are you doing? Good, thanks. And yourself? Not bad, thank you. We are looking this week at the idea of finding followers which I'm, I mean, I'm aware it sounds, in some ways it feels, it sounds a bit needy. In other ways, it sounds as if maybe you're like forming a band of um, of disciples. Um, that's band not the kind of little cult-like thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Finding yeah. followers. That's not what we're doing. Uh, but basically, I, I mean, I did have two, I was in two minds about this because I did feel that maybe this was a little bit beyond our usual remit. But I think in this day and age, it's good to know where people that are like-minded can be found. Now, in its most basic form, you can go to Facebook, search for an interest, and nine times out of ten, you will find it on Facebook. And if you don't find it on Facebook, you'll definitely find it on Reddit. And that kind of little grouping, followers, disciples, if you like, if you want to position yourself as some sort of leader, you know, th those are good places, and you can start your own page on Facebook very easily if that doesn't work out for you. Once you do that, though, that's when you need to find people to join it. That's when you're finding followers. And it's a strange thing because kind of like followers, subscribers, and audience, they all more or less mean the same thing, don't they? Yeah, basically. It depends on the platform, really. But in one way or another, it's people basically subscribing or, or following you. And another thing we didn't, I didn't mention, which is kind of where we're going to probably kick this off from, is streaming platforms as well. Game streaming, that kind of thing, where... You, you're playing a game, you're streaming it. Is anyone watching you? If so, why? If not, why not? Megan, you helpfully produced a guide to building an audience for a live streaming channel. Yes, I did. <laughs> and um, would you like me to take you through? I would like you to take me through it. I would. I mean, it, it is something that I've, um, I'm, I've, I've dabbled in, and in, in the most, in the most delicate, vague, toe dipping into water kind of a way in the past, and I've, I've never really quite being able to get the hang of it. So maybe if you take us through, well, actually just take me through it. Because I feel like I'm a bit of an idiot at, at this. <laughs> I'm no professional, but I did speak to some streamers who themselves have grown audiences. So these are the kind of the insights that they provided. So one of the first things would be to choose a trending title to play on your stream. So Rather than finding something really obscure or something that no one's really interested in at the moment, um, it's good to kind of seize on the, the trending titles of, of the moment. You don't want to get lost in the shuffle um, when everyone's, you know, streaming Fortnite, for example. But there's definitely value in choosing kind of a trending or popular title because people want to find out more about said title there's that curiosity, there's that hype. So finding that kind of game to stream will get people more interested. It doesn't have to always be like a costly affair or something that you need like early access to. I mean, if look at something like Among Us, that's a trending title that was cheap to buy and um, readily available for people. Mm -hmm. Another thing that you'll find is a consistent theme as well across different platforms is keeping a consistent schedule um, consistency goes a long way 
um, in building audiences, it's better to stream once a week than to stream like five days and then go quiet for a month right. and or disappear, you know, radio silence and then come back for another burst of streaming. It's good to have a consistent schedule, even if that means that you don't stream as often, rather do it once a week than doing like, you know, short bursts that are inconsistent. Um, there's also keeping the conversation going. People, especially on platforms like Twitch, they want to engage with you. Um, it's not necessarily like just watching a Let's Play on YouTube. It's live streaming. So they want to ask you questions. They want to see your reaction to chat. So it's a good thing to kind of keep the conversation going, engage with people. For example, thanking new subscribers on your stream, even bigger kind of um, streamers <laughs> still thank their subscribers personally, take time during their streams to thank people, to show appreciation. Um, there's also knowing your streaming platform, whether you choose Twitch or YouTube or Facebook gaming. You should know the ins and outs of each platform, the kind of things you can leverage, understanding your audience, that type of thing. Interacting with your followers on social media. Social media is not everyone's favorite like cup of tea. But again, it keeps people engaged outside of those streaming hours, especially if you're someone who only streams once a week. Um, it's a way to kind of announce your stream or build up hype to a stream. Then there's giving the audience incentives to return. So um, gifts, for example, competitions, that type of thing. Getting a sponsor for your live stream, getting other gamers involved, that always works well, especially because it kind of adds more personality to your stream. There's more people involved. It has it becomes a collaborative effort. And then finally, using decent equipment while you don't need the best rig out there, you should kind of invest in the kind of setup that will at least give you like decent audio and video quality, um, a decent internet connection, that type of thing. Because even if you have insightful content, if it's coming through at like, you know, potato quality, hmm. people aren't exactly going to want to watch it. Is that a setting? I haven't seen that setting. Yes. <laughs> okay, thank you, Megan. Now, the um, the details that Megan's just gone through there, obviously, uh, there's quite a few of them. So you'll find the link to that article, 10 Tips to Build an Audience for Your Live Streaming Channel, and everything else that we're discussing on this week's really useful podcast in our show notes. We're going to move along to an area which I have a little bit of expertise in. Uh, now, a few weeks ago, I hosted a show about podcasting so i think it makes sense to um, look in a bit more detail at podcasting in terms of the audience and ways to promote and to get new listeners later on uh, early early doors with a podcast you basically need to have a good plan to know what it's about and from that you can then focus on where you're going to put it which is going to be on itunes every podcast needs to be on itunes 70 percent of podcast listening happens through itunes or the native iPhone and iPad podcasts app, according to Neiman Journalism Lab. So it's important to use that to get your podcast on that. Now, we've already discussed how to do that. Once you've done that, though, the production on your podcast has to be tight. It has to be professional. It has to sound good so that people will come back again and again. To that end, and I think we can probably demonstrate most of these, have a short intro tune, keep long pauses short, 
cut them so that there are no long pauses and I, I will tell you now that every I'm gonna do this for effect every single episode apart from just there has a lot of long pauses that I will cut down and also if there are any inserts you should pre-record them such as like when I might say remember to um no, I've dried up there, you see, which is why you pre-record your inserts. So I'm, I might have <laughs> I might have said, you know, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you pre-record that, you only need to say it once, get it right once, then drop it in when you're editing your show. It's important to provide show notes for your podcast. We've already talked about that in this week's show. And where possible, invite guests. And if you're going to invite guests, make sure that their audiences know that they're coming on. So then you've got a unity of two sets of audiences listening to your podcast. This is a little tricky. You should feature transcriptions or quotes from the audio. Quotes are a lot easier. I've discovered um, there's an excellent tool called Headliner, which we use for the really useful podcast to create little trailer boxes that can be shared on Instagram and Twitter and what have you. And it also does uh, transcriptions. It is phonetically transcribing. It's it's a basic uh, voice-to-text tool, so quite often it gets things wrong. Uh, my accent is northern england and it sometimes gets quite a few things quite wrong which means uh, things can turn out to be quite amusing if you're uh, if you're going to use the transcriptions I, I find it's probably in terms of a the amount of effort you're going to put in and the return you're going to get it's probably smarter to stick with key quotes rather than an entire transcri- transcription because an entire transcription means a lot of editing depending on the length of your show of course um Produce shareable clips and trailers. I've already referred to that. Headliner.app is a superb tool. You should check that out. It's really, really clever. It will take your podcast RSS feed. It will take audio from your podcast. You can select the audio or it will just choose it itself. It will give you a nice little graphic in the background. Really good tool. And uh, leverage social media in much of the same way that Megan has already discussed and appear on other podcasts. Now, the thing about podcasting, and I suppose any kind of um, endeavor such as this, is that your audience is potentially going to ebb and flow. There'll be valleys and there will be peaks. And you need to know, you need to be able to recognize those those bad times and act accordingly. There's a superb companion article to this really by uh, Sean Edelmeyer. Six simple ways to grow your podcast audience. This begins by establishing why your podcast has stalled. Once you've done that, you study your strengths and weaknesses, find out what you're good at, which shows did well, kind of replicate that or build off that. Target a specific niche. Again, maybe that's part of building off of something that's happened previously that's done well. Network with other podcasters. That calls back to some of the things we've talked about already. You could share links with them. You can appear on each other's shows. Bring guests onto shows. Be guests on their shows. All those things, they all tie in nicely and engage better with the listeners you already have. I think engagement is probably key to building an audience or a following or a tribe or disciples or a cult, isn't it? Especially with people who follow podcasts um, for personalities. Uh, I guess it depends on exactly what your niche is. But I find especially the way I've gone into other podcasts is really enjoying the hosts and their banter and then also really work like I do follow them on social media um, and then when they recommend a podcast or invite another podcaster on their show that kind of shares that kind of um, 
conversational chemistry and aligns with their kind of interests, then I'll move and check out that podcast as well. So I do think it's a tried and tested method <laughs> for someone like me who's notoriously difficult to get to listen to podcasts. Do you, do you have any favorite podcasts? Yes, I'm I'm notoriously picky though, but I do listen to You're Wrong About. It's like my one staple podcast. Okay, what's that about then? It's basically two reporters look at like historical events in like pop culture or like news that we've kind of gotten wrong in the popular imagination and they they look back at it as especially like 20th century type of stuff uh controversies like y2k that type of thing mm -hmm. and they look back at it now with our hindsight and see like what we might have gone wrong the misconceptions uh, that type of thing so it gets my like history nerd stuff <laughs> stuff going and like my de my desperate needs to just suck up random knowledge and yeah it's just got great chemistry between the hosts that sounds cool i um i mean i do feel slightly frustrated with this topic like there's certain things that i sh i feel like i should have been doing certain things that i think i was doing maybe and then stopped doing which is really perhaps quite irritating but in other ways maybe it's it's about making sure you know what your audience is doing and what they want and maybe there is a moment where whatever you're doing whether it's podcasting or running a website or having a, a, a streaming channel whatever maybe there's a point at which interests diverge or perhaps something happens with the, the core topic which causes it to lose popularity and it in that case it might be very difficult to retain the same high levels of of, of, of audience ship um, an example mm. of this is a few years ago I, I run a um, Doctor Who podcast called Casturbus which you can find at casturbus.co.uk and it's on Apple Podcasts along with a really useful podcast and a few years ago um, Doctor Who well eight years ago Doctor Who was like 50 years old it was 50 years since it was first broadcast in the UK and around that time and running up to that we were our podcast alone and we had a website which did news and interviews and things, but the podcast alone was getting between three and 8,000 listens per show. These days, I guess, uh, it's a fraction of that these days. It's like a tenth of that. And I think partially there's popularity of the show. Partially there is the way that we perhaps interact with the show these days. And perhaps our opinion as a team declined over the intervening years slowly, year on year. Uh, probably from 2013 onwards, in fact. <laughs> so, and I, I think that's a good example of, you know, it's there, there's an argument against doing something for so long, perhaps, because I started that podcast in 2007. It's been running for 14 years this year. And uh. on the other hand, you know, knowing when to stop is useful, but also recognizing when things change and pivoting to maybe adapt to them is maybe a good option what i tend to do at the moment with that just in case anyone's interested and i don't want to leave anyone hanging is basically i'm ensuring that all previous podcasts look beautiful on the very beautiful wordpress website that i have for it because it's an absolutely stunning theme called i think it's called podcaster podcaster and it just presents everything looking absolutely beautifully and even gives me an opportunity to go back and just remaster the sound slightly for the uploads but um yeah i think i think whatever you're doing it's you, you do need to be very much aware of 
the audience and what the audience is interested in and whether or not their attention is waving. And it might not be because of you they're waving. It might be the subject that is causing that to just lose yeah. traction. Oh, it's, it's kind of like any kind of medium in a way in that you kind of see how your audience goes. Maybe you envision it going one way, but the audience reacts really well and to another way. I'm just imagining, like, even if you imagine, like, TV shows, how sometimes plot lines change over time based on, like, audience reactions. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the same with podcasts. Um, sometimes the original vision might change based on, like, okay, well – this isn't what we originally planned, but the audience really likes this, so we're kind of going to lean into this type of format. And I think that's also part of the engaging with your audience and finding what they really like. And sticking to what works. Yeah. There are many other social networks and places where you might want to find followers and disciples and acolytes. And there are things that are maybe more adept to your particular age group than others. For instance, people my age tend to use Facebook and Twitter more, whereas, particularly Facebook and LinkedIn, but that's possibly another matter, whereas younger users might be more interested in TikTok and Instagram. Ooh. Megan, I think it's your turn. <laughs> um, oh, so we're, we're looking at ways to, get, firstly, gain more fans and followers on TikTok. Um, I think what makes TikTok so different is its potential for growth because everyone talks about like how viral it is and how successful it makes songs. But I think just also just, I don't know if it's just the way its algorithm works, but people, or, or it could be that it's just in its like early days, but people notice like the, the kind of potential for growth. Like nowadays, if you join, create a new Instagram account, you're just, you're, you're sweating for every like <laughs> and for every follower. Like you're working hard. Whereas you post that same content to TikTok and you're getting thousands of followers. Like the just return on investment <laughs> of, of your labor is, is way, way bigger on TikTok. So I think it's a ample opportunity on TikTok. And obviously, some of the best ways to to grow your fans and followers is things like posting original content, stuff that makes you stand out. Again, consistency plays a key, uploading videos um, on a daily basis because TikTok's one of those very ephemeral apps that's constantly updating. Daily is a very good kind of schedule to keep. Um, incorporating popular music helps as well. It's part of like the recipe of TikTok success that makes it so popular. Performing duets. It's so weird when I make that word <laughs> plural. But like collaborating, but also just responding to others' videos. I think it adds to the kind of fun nature of TikTok and the way it, it just feels much more interactive than a lot of other platform platforms. There's learning from the experts, which is kind of taking note of what the kind of top influencers are doing, the kind of formats they do, recipes for success, seeing what kind of trends they're leading, noticing the popular like hashtags and trends. Again, while you might get flooded out on Instagram, there's actually a lot um, more 
chances to get featured in TikTok, especially since they have like tabs dedicated to like these are the top trending filters, these are the top trending hashtags, that type of thing. So it does add a lot more discoverability to your content. Um, there's upgrading your equipment, which again is even like it, it adds to that. You don't need like the, the most high end smartphone, but a little bit better lighting, that type of thing really kind of adds to your content. <laughs> the the follow back club, <laughs> gain followers by following others. Um, it kind of helps expand your network. Brushing up on your photography and videography skills, basically your camera skills. Like I said, your content can be good, but people don't want potato quality and like <laughs> just badly cropped videos because people are going to just use that same audio in a better quality video on TikTok and their video is going to be more successful. So you might as well put out the best version you can. And then, yeah, sharing your TikTok profile on social media. I think especially if you're going for different kind of tones, maybe your Twitter is a bit more serious, where, whereas on TikTok you go for a comedy route or something, mm. it's still a good idea to share on social media, get more of a reach on your TikTok profile. Then when it comes to Instagram, it's a bit harder <laughs> because Instagram is one of those platforms that has less of an organic kind of algorithm. Obviously, that sounds like a... <laughs> Um, an oxymoron, but I will let you carry on with Instagram in a moment. But I, Instagram, I find particularly interesting because it's like one minute you're looking at it and it's nice photos of the landscape, or food, or fashion, and then the next minute you look at it and there's people kind of doing weird things like actual cooking or doing comedy or. It's like you're throwing still photos and videos that are completely disparate all together in one app. And it, I always think it feels just slightly deranged. <laughs> oh, this is a bit disparate. What, what like, affects me or what kind of takes me out of the flow of things is the advertising. Um, mm. Because you'll be scrolling and it's just how often the ads come up. So it's like... I don't know, I follow a lot of like just like puppy accounts because like Instagram's like my feel good place. It's like okay. all like pictures of nice places and animals. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be like cute animal, cute animal, like ready cooked meals. <laughs> and then it's like okay. It's like cute animal, cute animal, and then it's like, have you tried this weight loss thing? And it's like, okay, go away. <laughs> like cute animal, cute animal, like something I Googled the other day. So it it very much takes me out of that flow. So I, like I've always felt like I don't know, it just gets like it it feels very artificial and stuff just in the way it prioritizes certain posts so advertising above all else and then also influential creators above pictures you might like like i don't know there's some smaller accounts whose posts i will always like just because it's the perfect content for me but because someone's got a few thousand likes they'll always show me like the millionth photo of a sunset mm. over the picture of a wobbly cat I want to see. <laughs> wobbly cat. Would you like me to Yes, continue? go on then. T tell us how to yes. attract more Instagram followers by picking a niche. Yes. So a niche on Instagram, like you said, it's, it's very – Instagram can be a very crowded place. It's very – 
just it feels disorganized because there's just so much going on there now as well especially with reels and videos and IGTV that's like a whole nother thing <laughs> and ads um it helps to create some kind of consistency by picking a niche so you should choose your niche subject or like niche subjects so like you'll find I find some tech people will be like okay I'll post tech gadgets, but then also the photos I take with said tech gadgets, which I've found a lot of people, like I do it, but also um, a lot of tech journalists I know do it. Um, So it'll be like a bit of like landscape photography or like scenery photography and then like technology photography. Or if you're more into lifestyle things like fashion or cooking or that type of thing. So just pick a niche that you enjoy. Apparently, animals are very popular. Who knew? I have it on good authority. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, once you've picked your, your niche, identify the hashtags for them as well. So while you don't want to get just lost in general hashtags, you also need to hone in on those hashtags that um, fellow kind of creators, content creators are using in that niche. Um, it'll help you kind of build the network of other people to follow as well as people who follow specific hashtags and who the algorithm is using um, hashtags to guide content to. There's also making your Instagram profile count. So instead of having just like some vague <laughs> vague profile, making it apparent what your your niche is. So for example people who do one of the most common niches on Instagram is travel. So if you're a travel blogger, you make that very apparent, make your profile picture, reflect that, make your profile bio, that type of thing, lead people to your website, get your profile verified if you can. Again, a recurring theme, using the right equipment, (laughs) especially something as visual as um, Instagram. Networking with other Instagrammers, that helps a lot. People like to kind of follow and support each other on on Instagram. And you'll see kind of like birds of a feather flock together. Updating your Instagram page, keeping it consistent with new posts, making sure that if you do have links to sites and your bio and that type of thing, that it is up to date. Um, Sharing and engaging with other people's work. So one of the best ways uh, to do this is also to like share people's work to your um, story so that you're not just like reposting their content to your account. Um, sharing to your story is a way to like get you on people's timelines, but also show that you're engaging with other people's content and engaging with other people's work. Like it means like, don't just <laughs> like slide into their comments and be like, Hey, check out yeah. my profile, but actually like, be an engaging follower yourself and people will be more willing to check out your profile. And then using geolocation tags. While it's not exactly recommended if you're trying to just like run a private account on Instagram, if you're trying to be discovered and get more followers, it helps to, to add location to your photos so that people can filter by location. So for example, like you don't have to give your street address, you can just give your neighborhood. So I live in Cape Town. So even if the location might not be relevant, Cape Town's a popular city. So I'll always 
tagged like Cape Town as my location in my posts, even if it's just a post about a technology gadget, just because people might be looking for, oh, let's see what other people in, in my area are posting. Thank you, Megan. It's easy to come away from this being completely bewildered. So I think ultimately <laughs> what you're going to have to do is you know, decide which network you're using, which social network, which streaming platform, whatever you're using, what type of followers you're going to look for, and then kind of refer to our show notes, as mentioned earlier on, and just go through those and see what works for you and try it out and see how that goes and adjust and adapt as the situation demands. So you've been listening to the really useful podcast from makeuseof.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Transistor, pretty much anywhere you'll find podcasts. If you are finding us on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. That is really useful for us. You'll also find us at makeuseof.com. And if you would like to get in touch with us, feel free to drop us a line via Facebook or Twitter. Megan and I will return on a future really useful podcast. Until then, it's goodbye from us. Mm -hmm.